Thanks, Daryl. I invite you to stand for a reading from Scripture. It comes from the 10th chapter of uh, Hebrews, verses 23 through 26. Hear now the word of God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Before traveling home for the holidays, I called the 1-800 number to get my newspaper delivery stopped. And I told the customer service uh, woman the days I was going to be out of town. And she told me quite abruptly, why don't you just go online and do it yourself? So I booted up my computer and went online and began to start thinking about all the things I could do by myself online in 24 hours. Purchase a new pair of jeans, buy a plane ticket, chat with a friend in California, watch a movie, trade a stock look at a new home from 12 different angles, all by myself. In fact, if I really wanted to, I could do church all by myself. You may be familiar that for $32 on Amazon.com, you can buy a new computer game called Mega Church. thought I'd share with you the description. Imagine if you could create the church you wanted any way you wanted, now you can. Build a church from the ground up. Hire and fire staff. <laughs> Deal with idiots, volunteers, and denominational egos. Try your hand at revival meetings or fasting. It's all up to you. Review weekly attendance. With network play enabled, you can steal members from other churches. The possibilities are endless. Write a mission statement, choose a logo, hire a musician, prayer, study, and preparation get thrown in there too. Deal with reality, including troublesome board members, an elderly donor who wants to buy a new organ. The city starts a construction in front of your building. Your offering gets stolen. Imagine too if you could put together a worship service exactly the way you want Hymns, no hymns, drums, no drums, even download your favorite preacher. Worship all by yourself. In our world full of everything from personal pan pizzas to personal computers, it may seem as though personal worship is just another millennium fad. But may I suggest for you this morning that personal worship has had a market for years. In 90 A.D., about 40 years after Jesus' death, the author of our scripture today uh, reminds uh, Christians of this, second-generation Christians. He says, do not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. You see, at that time, some Christians began to believe that they did not need gathering for worship. In essence, they believed worship was an individual encounter with God. Worship minus community. An attractive option, but why? Three reasons, I think. 
The first is that at that time, a lot of the other dominant religions taught that worship did not require community. For example, the oldest known cult that we know about was the worship of the mother of the gods or the god Isis. And according uh, to this religion, you could go into the temple and then secure all the blessings of the faith. And if you so chose to do so, withdraw from the community. Sound familiar? I don't need to go to church to worship. I don't need community. I can just go down to my favorite rock down by the lake. And worship God there. Worship minus community. An attractive option. Now then a second reason why I think worship was so attractive for these early Christians was that at that time meeting together for worship could get you persecuted. It was risky. Sound familiar? What if I told my golf group on Sundays that I didn't want to tee off until 1 o'clock because I go to worship on Sunday morning? Or what if I told that group on Saturday night that I had to shut it down a little early because they have to get up and go to church the next day? That rock down by the lake is looking pretty good after all. And then a third reason why I think personal worship was just so attractive uh, to these early Christians was that at that time the institutional church was losing Credibility. You may remember that at that juncture in history, it was said that Jesus was coming back quite soon. His return was said to be imminent. Well, as the days passed, some folks began to doubt. Well, maybe the church is just a bunch of wackos after all. Sound familiar? The institutional church is just so hypocritical and judgmental. Why would I ever want to be a part of that? Or every time I turn on the television, I hear about another priest or pastor scandal. Why would I ever want to align myself with any worship community? After all, I've got my rock down by the lake. Worship minus community. An attractive option, but not what God intends. The most important thing I learned from our scripture today is this. Gathering together as the body of Christ gives us strength and purpose. Your participation here in worship has helped make this community a more faithful place. Over the last uh, three weeks, we've talked about how worship is primarily for God. We've also talked about, about what we can benefit from in worship. And today we turn to how worship benefits the community. Now, if you're a type A personality like I am, I'll just go ahead and tell you uh, that I have three observations about that from this scripture. It's how worship benefits the community. And the first is, uh, being here in worship, you can encourage other believers. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, in worship, you can spur one another on to love and good needs. I don't know about you, but when I'm in worship... I'm just so encouraged to look around and see that other people believe in the same thing I do. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I imagine Michael Crocker would say the same thing about the encouragement of his worship community. It means something to me. The great evangelist D.L. Moody tells the story of traveling to Chicago on a very cold winter night. Uh, to meet with someone who was trying to convince him that he could be just as good of a Christian inside of church as outside the church. 
So Moody just sat in his living room and began to just listen to this man talk and talk and talk. And when he was done talking, Moody didn't say anything. Instead, he just walked over to the fire, took a pair of tongs, and grabbed a hot burning coal, and then set it off by itself. And in silence, the two men just watched it smolder and burn out. The man then responded, oh, I see. You see, being here in worship helps keep other people's fire hot. Yes, you can go off to the rock down by the lake, and God will still be God, to be sure. But what you will not be able to do is to help and encourage those people who are sitting one, two, three chairs down, who rely on the encouragement and the support of a group to grow as disciples. Psychologists who study group dynamics would call this the de-individualization phenomenon. When a person uh, begins to behave differently in a group than they would alone, they begin to lose conscious of themselves and act uh, in ways they would not ordinarily. Now, the downside of this is that if the group's values are deviant, the person then becomes more deviant. For example, if you followed the Duke lacrosse scandal, you may be aware that the way people act in one particular setting uh, is different than they would ordinarily. But the upside of the de-individualization phenomenon is that if the group's values are love of God and neighbor, then when that person starts to act differently in the group, the result is, maybe I'll sign up for fishing under the bridge, or I'll check into that missions trip in Piedras Negras, or volunteer visiting the hospital. Your presence in worship helps to encourage other people who rely on a group to grow as disciples. Now then a second reason I believe uh, worship uh, benefits the community is that in the New Testament, for me, it's very clear that God's love lives in people. For example, Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 that the spirit of the temple lives within us. Or 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God, but when we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By being here, not only do you get to give people a glimpse of Jesus Christ, but you also get to receive that glimpse of Jesus Christ from other people. Because God does live in us. And I know that down by the lake, you may not have any other people. And in your living room, listening to a sermon, you may not have those other people. And I just really feel like you're missing out on the fullness of God's love because God's love lives in people. And if you still don't buy it, consider Jesus. Thirteen of the miracles Jesus performed while on earth involved direct physical contact. Jesus came face to face with the crowds. He got his fingernails dirty. Jesus didn't play online. You see, I think Jesus knew that there's just no substitute for that physical contact of being able to see the Spirit of God living in another person. To illustrate this, Greg Jones tells the story of a young Episcopalian priest who uh, was serving his first church in a rural town. And before he got there, the church set up a bulletin board with a sign-up sheet where you could sign up to have uh, the priest over for dinner at your home. 
so one night, the priest traveled to a family's home, and he rang the doorbell and began to adjust his fresh, new clerical collar. And a four-year-old girl opened the door. And they just stared at each other. Her eyes got about this big, and they just kept staring at one another awkwardly and even more awkwardly. And finally, the girl just turned to the kitchen and yelled to her parents, Mommy, Daddy, God's here. (laughs) No one has ever seen God, but when we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Your presence in worship allows you to give someone else a glimpse of God. And not only that, you may be able to see that glimpse in someone else as well. And then my third point is that worship benefits community because it puts us in touch with people who are weaker than we are. The great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said that every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but the strong need the weak to exist. And that the elimination of the weak is the death of fellowship. You can worship God down by the lake at your rock, but the problem is a lot of God's people won't stumble by there. You know, in the times in my life when I have withdrawn from community and not put myself in touch with others who are hurting, I may have thought I was growing spiritually, but surely I was not. You see, I was off in the library learning a lot about God, but my heart was hardening toward other people. And I think the real inconvenience about not intending worship at that point in my life was not so much that I had to wake up and get dressed, but it was that I had to encounter other people with all of their needs and frailties. But what I'm beginning to learn is that God often moves in some of those inconvenient encounters. Don't typically do this, but I wanted to read uh, for you uh, a favorite story of mine from Fred Craddock. And uh, it's a story that God has put on my heart. This is what he writes. About 12 or 15 years ago, the Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature were having an anniversary meeting in Los Angeles. It was a thrilling occasion, a big gathering. Perhaps 3,000 scholars from around the world, people whose books you've read, they were there. Seminars and study groups and special meetings and special products and the projects and the papers were just extraordinary. Strange and removed, but very, very good We ran from paper to paper, and in the course of one of those hasty journeys in the large hotel where we were, I encountered a woman, frantic fear and high anxiety on her face. Are you attending this meeting of Bible teachers, I said. She said, yes, and then asked, is it open to anybody? And I said, well, there are open sessions. And she said, well, can I come in? I said, what's your interest? She said, I have wasted all my life. I want to become a Christian. There wasn't anything on the program for her. I didn't dare send her to Wittgenstein and all that. What was I going to do with this woman? I steered her off to the side to a refreshment stand, and for over an hour we talked. We talked about being a Christian. Before I left, I marked her Bible for her, some places where she could read upon her return home. I do not tell this story in criticism of that meeting. There are no apologies to be made for that meeting, and there is no criticism of that meeting. 
But if nobody would have spoken to her, if nobody would have answered her questions, there would be no reason for the American Academy of Religion. There would be no reason for the Society of Biblical Literature either. And might I add, there would be no reason for worship in New Heights. Because worship of God just has to include other people. It's not just about you and God. It often includes others. And the place where that inclusion happens time and time again is in worship. I'll close with the story about worship that I had. Actually, two experiences of worship uh, that I had about two months ago. Uh, my fiance and I worshiped and here at the church and then joined up with a group of folks to go serve a meal under the bridge for a ministry here at church uh, known as Fishing Under the Bridge. And we served a bunch of homeless people on styrofoam trays uh, with vanilla pudding we scooped out of those trays. And folks were downtown praising and worshiping there. And it struck us that had we not been part of a worshiping community, we wouldn't have even known that those people existed had it not been for a group of worshipers who decided that worship was not just about me and God we wouldn't have known about those people about God's people well it's interesting the very next Sunday my fiance and I also attended worship but instead of uh, doing anything as a group we just kind of went off by ourselves and had a brunch at one of the better restaurants in town, uh, fresh corn muffins, orange juice, $13 eggs benedict, just stuffed ourselves full. And when it was all said and done, we both decided that lunch under the bridge with strangers was far better than even our best meal. Worship is for God. Worship is for you. Worship is for the community. And next week, Pastor Michael will talk even more about how worship is for the world. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you uh, for these folks who are here encouraging me and my faith, for their willingness to be present in worship, and for your willingness to send your Holy Spirit to be amongst us. I ask us, Lord, in the weeks and the days ahead that we might humble ourselves before you and be an even stronger part of this body of Christ. And it is in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, that we lift up this prayer. Amen.